Uh, don't forget our teachers and kids, too. I know part of them start school this week. Another group of them start school next week. And everybody's trying to get in their last-minute vacations. And I know we got a lot of folks down at the Iowa State Fair today. Um, in fact, I will be heading that way tomorrow. So uh, as all of that wraps up, but um, uh, just continue to uh, uh, keep folks in prayer and, and, and as we kind of wrap wrap up the whole summer thing and start the school thing. So uh, we are in the book of Thessalonians, and we're at the end of the book, chapter 5. And in chapter 5, one of the things that Paul does is, as typical of Paul's book, he kind of backs up the truck and dumps a whole bunch of stuff on real quick. A lot of times the stuff that, that Paul writes, because again, most of his books, he's, he's, he's established doctrinally what the issues are, and then at the end of the book, he gets into the application of it. So you see a whole bunch of things, and we've been just kind of walking through them verse by verse. This morning we're going to look at, uh, four, uh, we're going to look at a, about four verses, four statements. Two of them are negative, two of them are positive and uh, try to learn some things that, that Paul has for it. In the past, the past verses prior to this, he's talked about our relationship to others. He's talked about being a hero, doing good to others. Uh, he's talked about our relationship to our own soul, about the idea of being grateful and, and, and praying and, and being thankful to the things God's provided. This morning, he's going to talk more specifically about how you develop your Christian life and some very, very important things that he writes to these people. So uh, we're going to throw it up there, uh, 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, and I'm going to read them real quick, and we're going to go through them one by one. Do not quench the Spirit. Do not despise prophecies. Test old thing, all things. Hold fast to that which is good, and abstain from every form of evil. Now, four things, two negatives, two positives, and we'll, we'll walk through them step by step. First thing he says is don't quench the Spirit. Paul here is talking about how God speaks to you in your life. Um, the, the word quench is kind of interesting. It's used elsewhere in the New Testament, and it has to do with fire. Uh, so if there was a fire, I would grab one of these, and I would do what? I would extinguish it. We call this a fire extinguisher. Really? You're that tired? Fire extinguisher. I am too. Don't worry. I get it. Because what does it do? It puts out the fire, right? If there's a fire, you grab a fire extinguisher. I don't know. Somebody's going to have to help me. I know you pull this pin and you push this. You point at the bottom of the fire, don't you? Yeah. Awesome. All right. Good. I'm good. I've, I've never had to use one. I've set them off before, but I've never had to use one. <laughs> um, but that's what you do. You pull the pen, you point it at the bottom of the fire, and you extinguish the fire. That's what you do. Okay? Uh, that's what we call extinguishing a fire. Here's what Paul said. Don't quench or extinguish or put out the Holy Spirit when he's working in your life. Now, he's writing to these people in Thessalonica, and one of the things that he says is, he says, look, one of the things you guys are doing is you're, 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 you're pushing aside, you're quenching what the Spirit's trying to do in your, in your life. And if we're not careful, we do that. Have you ever been doing something and you, and you get that still, small voice in your head that goes, eh, you probably shouldn't be doing that? Now, when that happens, you do one of two things, okay? 
What's that? Yeah. No, no, no. It's, that's not your wife poking you in the thing. That's a whole nother tongue. We're going to talk about that in a minute. <laughs> um, actually, we're going to talk about that very quickly here. Uh, but that is, it's the idea of, it's the idea when the Holy Spirit starts prompting you, when the Holy Spirit starts going, hey, 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 you do one of two things. You either respond properly and go, yeah, okay, Lord, I need to stop that right now. Or you go, eh, you know, there's a reason, and, and you make excuses, and you keep on doing what you're doing. Um, and, and what Paul says, and this is what he says, he says, look, don't quench, don't quench the Spirit of God as he's working in your life. Um, I'm going to go back to the marriage thing. Um, how do we do that in marriage? Okay. So, so let me let me explain this to you, okay? So, because I have experience here, um, when my wife wants me to do something, okay, and she says, "Honey, you need to." Now, let me let me. I don't want to give up all of our secrets, but this is what we do, okay? The first thing we do is we. I don't. I don't want to speak for all of us, but I am speaking for all of us. I don't hear her. Okay? Now, here's the easiest way for me to not hear her. I do something else. So, I'm in my office working. She says, hey, honey, uh, yeah, uh, why? Because I'm just not paying attention is what, what I'm doing. Okay? And so, then she goes, hey, didn't you hear me say? And what do I say? I, I didn't hear that. I didn't hear. So, that's the first thing we do. I we, we, we don't listen, okay? Um, then the next step is, okay, and then she goes, well, I, I said this, okay? And now, now, you, now, now, now you know that she said it, okay? So now there, we go to step two, okay? And step two is what? No, not yet. We're getting there. That's step three. Um, step two is, here, here's my step two. I misunderstand what she's saying. See, she, I hear her, but I interpret it to mean something else. So when she says something like, the trash needs to go out, I interpret that as, you're going to take the trash out. Right? Now, I heard her, but... I misinterpreted it to make it fit me. And then she walks in and says, the trash isn't out. And I go, oh, I'm sorry. I thought you were going to do that. I didn't know you wanted me to take it out. And then what does she do? She looks at me and goes, I want you to take out the trash now. Now, I ignore it. Okay? Now, here's the thing. I have now quenched what my wife wanted me to do, right? We do the same thing with God. We do the exact same thing with God. God starts telling us we need to do something. And first thing is, we just, we don't pay attention. So God kind of gets our attention and makes it a little clearer. And then we interpret it to be something that isn't what God said. And finally, God says, look, you just need to go do this. Then we have a choice. We either obey it or ignore it. When we ignore it, 
This is what Paul says. We're quenching the Spirit of God in our life. And Paul writes to these people at Thessalonica, and he says, look, don't do this. Um, In the life of Jonah, there's there's a very interesting thing when you read the book of Jonah. And it says it a couple of times. But it says, and the word of the Lord came to Jonah a second time. Here's what you need to understand about God. God never obligates himself to talk to you about something twice. Never. If he does, that's his grace. And if you and I push the Spirit of God away enough, we quench him working in our lives. And that's a dangerous thing for your soul. And that's why Paul says, don't quench the Spirit of God. And then he says, don't despise prophecies. Now, we get a little hung up on this because, you know, when we think prophecy, we think like, you know, revelation and horses and, and, and armies and battles. That's what he's talking about. It, it, prophecies are just simply, up in this point in, in history, there were prophets, okay? They didn't have a Bible like you and I have. They didn't have the Bible in their own language like you and I have. It was just coming into existence when this was written. Um, they had the Old Testament, but you had to know Hebrew and Aramaic in order to, to, know, to read it yourself. And, and it was an uneducated society as a whole. Uh, basically, the only people in that culture that knew Hebrew and Aramaic were religious people or doctors. That was about it. Um, and really, up until about the 1600s, that was true. Um, it wasn't until the invention of the printing press that the Bible was put in, in the common language of the people. And so for the first time... People had the Bible in their own language, and that was revolutionary. Now we have it in all kinds of versions and all kinds of of readability uh, to different people. Prior to this, prior to all that happening, there were prophets, and they spoke for God. Now they had a very, very tough job because they were to stand up and speak for God, and God had some pretty tight rules on them. One of the rules was, if you stand up and say, thus saith the Lord, and God didn't say, you, you died. So if you stood up and said, the Lord's coming back next week, then either one of two things happens. If I stood up and said, the Lord's coming back next Sunday, then on Monday morning, one of two things happened. Either the Lord had come back or I was dead. You didn't get a second chance to correct it. And so when he talks about prophecies, what he's talking about is God's message, um, which was given at this time by, by prophets, by, by people who would speak for God. Here's what he's saying. Don't despise God's message. Don't despise, don't show contempt for what God says. And so two negatives, he starts out right out the bat. He goes, look, you need to be careful about this. Don't quench the spirit of God in your life and don't minimize or have contempt for or push aside God's message for you. You know, we do that a lot. How many times do we go, well, I know the Bible says this, but my circumstance, my situation is different. Uh, Wait a minute. If that's what God said, then that's the way it needs to be. Um, And and we're in a culture which we, we become loose and free with the Bible sometimes, and we make it say what we want it to say. And we've got to be honest with it. And if the Bible says I shouldn't do this, then I shouldn't do that. If the Bible says I shouldn't do that and I go and do, so, do, the, do the opposite, I'm showing contempt for God's message. I am despising 
prophecy. I am despising God's message. I'm saying that doesn't hold value for me. And you've got to decide right away. What's going to decide the value for you in your life? What's going to be the the decision maker for you? Is it going to be you or is it going to be God's word? And Paul writes to these people. He says, look, I'm going to help you with your spiritual life. And he said, one of the things you need to do is when God rings your doorbell, answer it. And when God says something, do it. He said, don't minimize those things. Don't quench the spirit. Don't despise the word of God. Do it. And then he adds this. Now he gives two positives. That's interesting. He says, test all things. You know what that means? It means you put it to the test. It means you step back and you go, okay, just because Pastor Jim said it, I'm going to go test it. Just because my favorite preacher said it, I'm going to go test it. I'm going to put it to the test. I'm going to see what God really says. Just because somebody says something doesn't mean it's true. We have to put it to the test. And listen, we have become an incredibly gullible society. And we can put certain words in front of certain things and we go, oh, it's okay. Two things this week. Iowa State Fair. You know how they always do the food thing? these are going to be close by the time I get there tomorrow, but these would probably be on, well, one of them would be on my list. Ice cream nachos. Crisp cinnamon sugar chips covered with two scoops of cinnamon ice cream, drizzled with hot fudge, caramel, sprinkled with bits of chocolate, caramel, and strawberries. The dish is topped with nuts, whipped cream, and a cherry. It just sounds good to me. (laughs) Then, here was the other hit this week at the fair, Um, a fruit kebab. Strawberries, pineapple, and peaches on a stick, dipped in batter and deep fried, (laughs) topped with melted chocolate. It's a fruit kebab. Now, just time out for a minute. What if I told you, hey, when you get to the Iowa State Fair, they are serving healthy fruit kebabs and healthy ice cream nachos. You would look at me and go, What you just described is not healthy in no way. And I go, no, 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 no. I'm telling you, the sign said healthy fruit kebabs. You go, no, when you deep fry something, it usually moves out of the category of healthy. Okay? It doesn't move out of the category of good. It moves out of the category of healthy. Okay? Because you have enough common sense to go, that's not healthy. We're in this crazy culture that we think we can put the word non-GMO in front of something and it makes it good. That's insane. Non-GMO seedless grapes. If they're seedless, somebody messed with the genetics. Because grapes have seeds. But we're in this culture where it's like, all of a sudden we throw these words in front of it, and it makes it okay. Christian, whatever. We throw the word Christian in front of it, and it's okay. So we got this idea that we can throw the word Christian in front of any kind of music, and it's okay. 
We can throw the word Christian in front of any kind of book, and it's okay. We can throw the word Christian in front of any kind of belief system, and it's okay. And we're not testing any of it. And Paul said, look, don't do that. Put it to the test. Somebody comes to you and goes, hey, you know, yeah, I'm a Christian. I just believe like there's many ways to God. Well, time out. Boop, 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 boop. If you're a Christian, what that means to me is you're a follower of Christ. Is that true? Yes. Well, that person that you're following said, I am the only way, the only truth, the only life. There is no way to the Father but by me. The person you are following said, what you just said is not true. Because the person you are following said, there are not many ways to God. There's only one, and it's Jesus Christ. And if you're going to follow me, if you're going to be a Christian, you're going to believe that there's only one way to God, because that's what your leader taught. Put it to the test. Well, I don't like that. That sounds like really exclusive. Yes. That's what he taught. And, and we're in this culture where we throw Christian in front of it. It's okay. Here's what Paul said. He said, don't do that. He said, test it. Put it to the test. Find out what does God say. Are they right? Are they wrong? There are people who I love to listen to, but you know what? I, there was a guy that I, I, I loved listening to, probably one of the best, best speakers I've ever heard in my life. I don't listen to him anymore. You know why? Because about halfway through his ministry, he took this turn. And when I put what he was saying to the test, he's not on my list to listen to anymore. He's a great guy. He's a great communicator. Love, love listening to his stuff. Love reading his book. But you know what? He's not passing the test anymore. And that's what Paul says. He put it, says, put it to the test. And then notice what he says next. When you put it to the test, if it's good, what? Hold fast. Embrace it. Grab it with everything you've got. You put it to the test and you find out this is good. This is healthy for my soul. This is productive for my life. Boom. Grab it with everything you can grab. And then, and unfortunately, the King James and New King James, this is a bad translation of this, but he says this, abstain from every form of evil. That's been used a lot to, to, to say things that it really doesn't say. It's in context with testing everything. And here's what he's saying. He's saying, look, when you test everything, if it's good, embrace it. If you find things in it that aren't so good, just steer clear of it. You find a little bit, it's kind of like this. All right, it's, it, here's the analogy. The analogy would be this. Um, went to the fireside last night. Um, I, I know I should have had prime rib, but I like my meat well done, so I'm out. Um, you know, I have to get end cut if I do prime rib, and, 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 so, and I, so I got the ribs last night, okay? Now, and they were phenomenal. I loved them. They were great. Hey, my wife did the prime rib, and it was great, and we had a great time and took the bike and all that kind of stuff. So we, we had a great night last night eating, eating there. What if, when she brought me the plate, she said, look, I, I just got to tell you, they accidentally put your ribs in the garbage can, but we got it right out real quick and <laughs> clean them off a little bit, and here they are. Now, wait a minute. It was only in there for a little bit. What would you say? Eh, no thanks. That's what Paul's saying. That's all he's saying. He's saying you put it to the test, and you find out 
that it's got a little bit of stuff that's wrong with it, just, just push it out of your life. That's going to help your soul. Take the stuff that's good and embrace it. But the stuff that's, that's tainted a little bit, even a little bit, just don't, just stay away from it. Because it's not going to help you. And so Paul gives you these two negatives. Look, don't, don't quench the Spirit of God. Don't push away the Word of God in your life. Put everything to a test. If it's great, embrace it. If it's not, just push it aside. And he said, that will help your soul. That will help you as you start to live the Christian life. So, a couple of takeaways from us, and then we're done. Here we go. First thing. You've got to start listening to God. Okay? It's really easy for us because our lives are so busy. And, and I'm convinced Satan's greatest tool in 21st century is to keep us busy. You see, here's what I've learned about marriage. You know when it's easiest to ignore my wife? When she doesn't have my undivided attention. See, it's, it's, it's really hard to ignore her and misinterpret her when she's sitting across the table from me at a restaurant and our cell phones are put away. Because she has my undivided attention. It's no different with God. When our lives are so busy... When we're doing so much stuff, it's so easy to get wrapped up in this thing called life that when God speaks, we just can't hear. Um, I came really close to, um, well, okay, here. Some of you are going to disagree with me. You just get over it. Um, I, I, one of the things that I debated about, and, and, and I've got two helmets, and my wife has a helmet for a motorcycle, and both of my helmets have the ability to put that little earphone thing in there so I can Bluetooth my phone to this and I can talk to my wife in the back. And, and I've just kind of made this decision in my own mind that I ain't going to do it. Because the whole idea of getting on a motorcycle is to get away from it all. And I've just decided that, you know what, even though I have the ability to do it, it's not going to help me. I'm not saying it's evil. I'm not saying it's bad. I'm not, there's times and places for it. And if we start traveling to California, I'm probably going to want to talk to her in that 40-some-odd-hour trip or whatever it is. <laughs> <clears throat> but I've decided that for me, for me, my purpose when I get on it, on that bike, is to clear my head and I don't need stuff coming in. And I say that to say, one of the things that we've got to do in our lives is we've got to pull back a little bit, kind of what we were talking about in Sunday school with this Sabbath idea, is pull back so that we can hear God when he speaks. We've got to start listening. You know, you're here this morning, you're listening to the Word of God, that's awesome. And, and many of you, you'll listen to Christian radio this week and Christian TV and, and, and you'll listen to other things, that's great, uh, nothing against any of that. You're taking in a lot, but here's the thing, you've got to do something with it, too, We've we got to be obedient to what we're hearing. Otherwise, we end up kind of despising it and pushing it aside. And, and I just want to encourage it because Paul says, look, one of the things about your soul that's important is when God starts poking your spirit, don't, don't put it out. Don't quench it. When you hear something from the Word of God that you need to change in your life, change it. 
Don't excuse it. Don't, 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 don't push it aside that way. But, but listen, obey, do something about it. The, the, the second, the, I think the second idea that we see in this idea is this. We've got to learn to put stuff to the test. And, and here's the bottom line. A lot of what we do is not bad, but it's not good either. It's not good. It really doesn't help us, truthfully. It's really not adding value to our lives. And I think when Paul talks about this idea of holding fast to that which is good, I, I really think that's something we need to really take a good hard look at. Because I'm afraid for you, you are like me, that a lot of our lives have become filler. And you know, you, you know what I mean. Where you add something to it, you know, in the old days, you know, and some of you still do this, you know, you, you, would take, you would take meat and you would add stuff to it so that you could have more meat. And it was filler. You know, if you haven't figured this out, this is what restaurants do. You sit down to eat, and what do they say? Would you like breadsticks? Oh, yes. And they bring you bread and bread and bread, and you eat and you eat and you eat, and your stomach gets bigger, and it fills it all up, and then they bring out these little portions, and you pay a whole lot more for them, and you walk away going, that was a great meal. Because you're full. And the reason you're full? You ate bread. I mean, you ate bread. And they got you to eat bread because they make really good bread. But that's what happens, I think, for a lot of our life. We fill it with stuff that... It's bread when we could be filling our lives with steak or whatever it is that you enjoy, whatever your food is that you enjoy. And I think sometimes in our lives... We, it is so, 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 so easy to do that. And I think what we forget is we've got to get to a point that our lives are focused again and we're doing what's important, not what's, not, not what's urgent. And I think that is so true for so many of us is that we spend our lives doing urgent things. But at the end of our life, we haven't done anything important. And how many of you who your kids are gone would tell me if you could do it over with again, you'd spend less time at work and more time with your kids. But what did you do? You did the same thing I did. You did the same thing we all do. You got sucked into this idea that you have to keep doing all these urgent things. And you did all those urgent things. But you came later in your life and you said, I missed out on the important things. How many people do I talk to as they get into retirement and then something happens to the health of one of them where they say, we spent all of our time planning for that day when we could do that, but that day never came. And we regret that we didn't do the, take our time to do the important things when we could. You don't want that to be your story. You need to step back and say, all right, what is it that is adding value to my life? And what is it that is taking value away? And what is it that is really, really important? This week, and I, I this just, once in a while, a story like, like gets me to my soul, and this was one of them. I don't know if anybody saw this. Buried in the bottom part of the newspaper deal. Um, did anybody read this about Francine Stein, who passed away this week? Okay. 
Um, 30 people paid their respects to a woman they had never met. After responding to a call for attendees for a suburban New York funeral at which no one was expected to show up. Strangers served as her pallbearers, and they also helped bury her during the service Wednesday at a cemetery in in Orangetown. She died at the age of 83. She was Jewish. So in the Jewish tradition, they try to bury them within 24 hours. So what happened is, long story short, the funeral home contacted the rabbi and said, hey, we've got this Jewish lady who passed away. We need to do the service. And the, the rabbi said, well, I don't know her. And he goes, well, don't worry, but nobody does. He said, there's nobody that knows her. He said, the, the funeral home director told the rabbi, he said, it'll be the easiest funeral we've ever done. Because we don't know anything about her. Nothing. He said, there won't be a eulogy. There won't be anything. Nobody knows anything about this one. His daughter, somebody relation to him, got a hold of this, posted it on Facebook, and 30 strangers showed up to bury her. When the rabbi officiated the service, he said, there's no eulogy because we didn't know anything about the one. He said, at the cemetery, we learned that she was a musician and she had taught at Juilliard School of Music. All of these people, 30 people, showed up because a woman's entire legacy was nobody knew her. And I thought, how sad. Because there's not a person sitting here this morning that if you died this week, there wouldn't be people at your funeral. But then I got to thinking about this. What if we said this? What if we said the only people that can come to your funeral are lives you've touched? Now, here's a question. How many people are there? Because, see, if we're believers and... We are to do what Jesus taught, which is to love others as Jesus loved them, and to give our lives for other people, then here's the bottom line. Our lives should be touching other lives. It ought to be what we do. It ought to be who we are. And my challenge to you is to live your life in such a way this week that you're doing the things that are important, that you're touching other lives with your life, because that's what's important. Because that's what we're called to do. Because I don't think anybody in here, even if we had that standard, would have no one show up. But if our lives are ultimately about to be about other people rather than ourselves, then we should do it differently this week. So I just want to challenge you with this idea that this week, kind of go through your life and start saying, you know what? These are the important things that I'm going to get back to. I have one I'm going to work on this week. I have one for me. I realize that somewhere in the last year or two, it's kind of got pushed to the back burner, and I've just decided that, you know what, it's, go- it's going to go to the front again. It's going to go to the front again. Because God values it, it's important, and I've just I've gotten caught up in the whole craziness of the world thing, and I, I've pushed it to the side. Because I know it's important. I know it's something God wants me to do. It's something God's commanded me to do. It's something that I have pushed aside. And I want to challenge you to do the same. So I end this week. Paul reminds us of the value of a focused life. A life that embraces the good things and rejects the unhealthy things. 
Those are the things that produce a well-lived life. And that type of life demands that I listen to God's Spirit and then I walk in obedience to His Word. Let's do it differently this week. Let's pray. Lord, help us. God, it's so easy to get caught up in, in, in stuff. It's so easy to fill our life with stuff, Lord, that in the end is not going to matter. But Lord, every one of us is going to come to a point in our lives where our life here ends. And Lord, the only thing that's left behind are the lives that we've touched, the things that we've done that have eternal value. So Lord, help us to focus on those things. And Lord, when it is all said and done, and we come to that point, may we be able to look back and say, we have no regrets. Help us to be sensitive to your spirit this week. Help us to be obedient to your word. And may you use this as we try to develop healthy spiritual lives that honor you. These things we ask in your name. Amen.